Hello and welcome to episode 329 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. Where the fuck have you been, mate? I've been out the back sacking some interns who couldn't get our audio to work. Yeah, I think every single one of them needs to be sacked. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, I, w- I won't get too much more aggressive. I think sacking them is probably fair enough in the current climate. Yeah, yeah. Well, they all got they all got the sack. Um, I put it right on their forehead, and now we're all good. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, they'll be feeling that for days. They really will. It was a big sack. <laughs> now, well, let, let's get right into it. While we're talking about ball sacks, um, Jai Arrow. Mm. Uh Got a bit sad because his uh, his relationship broke down. Um, bloody women, and then he got himself some other woman into his uh, hotel room when he's in camp with the Maroons, and um, you know, had his way with her. Bloody woman, and now he's been fined a shit ton of money in in ISO for fourteen days. Is that pretty much the whole story? Pretty much, yeah. Um, Joe Arrow is the victim here. And that's what we always need to remember is that the rugby league players are always the victim in any scenario. Um, For people that don't know, Jai Arrow had an upbringing. Uh, A lot of players have upbringings. Uh, Us normal people wouldn't know about upbringings. but um, And then he was in a a relationship that allegedly was rocky uh, as opposed to every other relationship, which is just fucking smooth sailing. And, you know, what do you do when things are getting you down? You go out and you get some fucking strange. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, that all seems logical. Yeah, yeah, there's no other way around it, really. I mean, did he have any other choice? Well, he would have been forced into it, obviously. Yeah, Cause, yeah. Because that's what sadness does to you. It forces you to do stuff. And we should all be, you know, have pity on him. That's what That's what one... Certain Queensland journo reckons anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, I do. I felt very sorry for Jai Arrow. You know what are we putting out for Jai Arrow? Like, do we put out? Do we leave our dead rubbers out for Jai Arrow? <laughs> um, maybe we put out our best Gangnam Style. What the hell's that? Well, you know, it's a dance. Ah, yeah. put out our Gangnam Style for Jai Arrow. Yeah, you know. He didn't he get hooked up with a dancer? Oh yeah, that's right. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly, I need to make that clear. Yeah, everything's allegedly. Of course, he's yeah. been fine. Five thousand dollars. You'd want it to be fucking real. <laughs> it's it's pretty harsh when you think about it. That the only victim in this whole case is the only one to get punished. Well, thirty five thousand dollars for one night of sexual bliss. I mean, he might as well have got married. <laughs> yeah, not touching that with the long, long pole. <laughs> uh, I'm not touching that with Joy Arrow's dick. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's been a weird. It's been a weird. What did you think of the uh, the house party? The house party. Yeah. Um, to me, it's. I remember talking, it might have been last year, about um, a, a system I had in place for penalising people 
and the dumber the act, the heavier the penalty should be. Mm-hmm. I think someone's been listening because I think they got the right punishment on this because it was fucking stupid. And it's as stupid as it can get because it is so minor and something that you could completely do without. It's just a barbecue. You just didn't need to do it in the current climate. And they went ahead and did it anyway, and they've all copied all this punishment stuff, and you just go, you fucking idiots. But in, in that regard, right, and after that week of the the most uh, expensive house party in rugby league history, then what would you have done to Jai Arrow? Like, f- to know that he did that in the week after we went through all that with the Dragons, well, does he get, like, sent to Tamworth or something? Or, or get a dancer from Tamworth. <laughs> um, look, I think he should be getting a very similar punishment to Paul Vaughan. I wouldn't have been... Like, when you line up what Paul Vaughan did, right, he had a gathering at his house, compared to what Joe... Like, I just think that they're completely different levels. No, but they're a very similar level of... Um, moronic stupidity. See, I think that it's more stupid what Jai Arrow did by miles. It, no, that that's right. It is more stupid by miles. But the, mm-hmm. the difference being where Jai Arrow's is more stupid, he's only had one other person there, whereas Paul Vaughan's has got multiple other people there. And so mm-hmm. that compensates for that one person Jai Arrow had, which for me makes them all kind of very similar as far as, far as you know, the type of punishment they should have got. I'd have given him Paul Vaughan and Jaya the same the same penalty. I guess there's also the thought of like Jai Arrow probably didn't have somebody with him that was saying, dude, we could get in trouble for this. Whereas Paul Vaughan and all the Dragons players, there's somebody in that group should have said, dude, I don't reckon this is a good idea. <laughs> See, I, 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 I thought Corey Norman would have been that man. The voice of reason, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I think I think the one that gets me the most out of that, and the person who should have been penalised the heaviest, mm-hmm. is the uh, the cretin that was under the bed. Yeah. Well, I mean, can you After imagine what he's gone through for yeah. two years, and how he lucked out with all that drama? There, I'm not going to get into it. Mm-hmm. But we might. His third week back, he's doing this shit. And yeah. then hides under a bed, lies to the NRL about it. I just fucking sack him. What type of bed could you hide a 98-kilogram hooker under? And I mean a rugby league one before anyone starts, by the way. Uh, he's, a, he's a lock, isn't he? Well, I, yeah, he is now, I guess, but I still consider him a hooker, hey? No, he's a, he's a lock. He doesn't have any, yeah. doesn't have any ball skills. Okay. Um, what bed did you put him under? Yeah, like, if he can hide under a bed, that's got to be a pretty high bed, doesn't it? Yeah, I'd probably put him under one of those ones that's, you know, I'd probably get one that's got spikes underneath it. So when people jump on it, the fucking spikes go down to the floor. That'd be handy. (laughs) I'm not being savage or anything, but, you know, fucking... Where the fuck are you shopping for your beds at? I was going to say, you can't have tell I've been playing Mortal Kombat for the last few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, 
That went south fast. It did, yeah. Speaking of going south fast, the how about the news tonight that the NRL has to move State of Origin from Newcastle to Queensland? Uh, I was shocked by that move. I thought everything was set. We were good. There's no cases in New, uh, in Newcastle at the moment of COVID. But that was it. New South Wales Premier didn't want there to be anyone at the game, so the NRL said, well... We're taking it to Queensland, where the Premier is much more level-headed. Didn't want to bring it to Victoria, where there's zero cases? Are there zero cases right now in Victoria? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't we know actually, that. We actually had, um, up until I think two days ago, mm-hmm. we were told that, you know, if you're working in a uh, you know, priority industry, something like, you know, serving people food or you're doing a service where you have to go and see a lot of people, that sort of thing. You had to wear a mask all the time when you're indoors. And that that got lifted on Thursday night. Okay. So we're, we're getting restrictions rolled back further and further and further. Ah, see, we have the, uh, the acting New South Wales Police Commissioner saying that if you're out just buying shoes that are non-essential, they might arrest you. So we're in but a good es- place here at the moment. But essential shoes are fine? Yeah, what would be essential shoes? Like, how? at what point does some... Like, imagine being a cop and having to work out what's essential or not. So, right, what industry do you work in? Okay, are they, like... Would, uh, I, I don't know. Are they, are they going to go around just automatically make a whole heap of people from the athlete's foot become police officers now? Imagine that. What, what do you do idea. if you're working in, like, a shoe shop... And someone comes in like that's got to be weird at the moment because you're all just standing around punching out the clock, making no sales. And then someone comes in and you're like this unessential bastard. And then you've got to serve them. Now, all of a sudden, you're outside of your own little bubble. Well, I mean, I suppose they've got to make the, the, uh, the determination on the spot. Am I going to be selling essential shoes to this person? And are they doing an essential job that they need these essential shoes for? Or are they just piss farting around? Like, are they just buying shoes and making up a story to sound like they're essential in order to get out of the house and spread the virus around? I mean, just in order to get out of the house. I think what we need is to arm the New South Wales police force with that net that they shot at uh, Richards in The Running Man. Remember when he escaped? (laughs) Do you remember that when he was at yes. the airport and he escaped and they shot him with that big net? Yes. Ben Richards. That's an idea. Mm. I'm all over this. I think what, what New South Wales needs to do, and, I, you know, they're scared probably because they've seen what the media did to Dan Andrews down here, mm-hmm. is just go, you know what, fuck it, everybody, stay in your fucking house. Every single thing you need can be delivered to your house, including groceries. So everyone in Sydney, stay inside your fucking house until we get back down to zero cases. That's it. No no kids going to school. Mm-hmm. No one goes to work unless you're working in essential services, which is going to be supermarkets and, you know, doctors and stuff like that, hospitals and whatnot, and police, um, fireys, ambos, those sort of people, central services. Cut it right back to the, those very bare minimum ones. Everyone else stay at home. You can order everything and get it delivered to your home. We did it for four months down here. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to, you know, your premier needs to lock this shit down now before you start getting to the case where we had to go through four months of it and just say, you know, if we just do this and see it out for, say, two, three weeks, 
get those cases back down to single digit figures so we can start rolling things back a little bit and we can get out of it straight away. But this half ass bullshit she's doing at the moment is just making things worse. It's not making it better. And so she's got to make a commitment one way or the other because she's at a tipping point right now. And if she keeps See, going half assed it'll I get dis- worse. I completely disagree. I've, I've, I'm ready for the alternative. I've uh, already started stockpiling gasoline. Um, I've got myself a... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Have you stockpiled toilet paper? I mean, this is the only important essential item you need. <laughs> yeah, welcome to 2020. <laughs> I, I have all of the toilet paper. I've got all the gasoline. I have heaps and heaps of pigs because methane comes from pig shit. I've built a Thunderdome. I've even got a big, dumb idiot that I can ride around on. His name's Jai. You'd like him. <laughs> And I'm ready to rock and roll here. I'm even looking for where Tina Turner is at the moment. Nice. Mm, I'm ready nice. to go. See, I knew you'd do that well. I knew yeah. you'd be locking down. You'd, you'd lock down hard. You, you, as soon as they say, oh, we've got one case in New South Wales, you just go, bam, lock the fucking doors. <laughs> Bring those shutters down hard. We are locking this bitch down. Uh, Compound Freak is fucking amazing, let me tell you. It's great. <laughs> If people knocking at the door wanting to come in, you're like, fuck off. It's uh, it's just, it's crazy. We live in a weird time, hey? Yeah. Yeah. In all honesty, I, you know, last year when, when, um, when Victoria was going through their big, long uh, lockdown, and pretty much all the other states were taking the piss out of Victoria and joking about it all the time. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I didn't care. But, it's funny seeing now how New South Wales is not even in the same level we were in, but they know they're getting close to it and they're getting worried. And you're seeing a lot of people saying, you yeah, know, I feel really bad about making all those jokes last year about Victoria. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I don't care about the jokes, but in all honesty, nothing sucks more than being in lockdown other than being an essential services worker and having to be outside while that virus is around everywhere and you could get it any minute because not only are you going to be out in public going to work, but the people you deal with at work might be, you don't know who they're interacting with and they may be giving it to you. You don't know. And you've got to live with that every fucking day. That's, I don't wish that on anyone. And so I'm not going to be making jokes about New South Wales being in lockdown and stuff like that. It's, it's fucking horrid. So I, I hope, hope your premier fucking sorts of shit out, locks it down, gets everyone, Stuck in their homes for two, three weeks. So it's probably all they need to do. Get those case numbers back into single-digit figures, and you can start rolling things back and go back to life as somewhat normal as possible. And so ends my TED talk. Just remember, League Freak runs Barter Town. There you go. Uh, what else has been going on in the world other than COVID and Jaira's nuts? Well, the only other thing, and, and State of Origin being moved. Uh, have you watched any of the football lately? I've watched nearly 10 minutes. Okay. I'm making no lie. I've, um, and I'm not saying this to try and make a point. I've been trying to watch rugby league games this Mm -hmm. whole time and I've had the time to do it. It's not like it's impossible for me to do, Mm -hmm. but I sit down and watch like two, three minutes of a game and you see each side's getting the momentum very early on and they're getting waves of momentum and they're scoring two or three tries very quickly at the very start of games. And then I just go, yeah, I can kind of see where this is going. Then you check the score at halftime 
and that team that was leading after 5, 10, 15 minutes is leading at half time, and they're going to put on 40 odd points and win the game easy. Just go. <sighs> no one likes to see every single game being um, a foregone conclusion after 20 minutes. Yeah. And that's what we've got at the moment. It's, it is hard to watch. It's an absolute punish to watch. It really is. Yeah. So, I, I made skip- rugby league great all those, you know, for the years before PVL, um, you know, punished us with his own fucking version of his own virus, which is all the rule changes he's done to kill the game. Should mm-hmm. have that to the list. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's, we had a game where every team, even the worst teams, on their best day were a 50-50 chance of beating even the best teams on their worst day. Mm-hmm. The gap wasn't too too grand between the best and the worst in, you know, in 2019. So, you went into every match going, yeah, we're a chance here. If we get this and that, you know, they, there's a little few little things here and there, but if they go our way, we get up. Nowadays, I, mean, I remember uh, a couple of weeks ago when the Tigers got up against the Storm, I was like, yeah, I'm not watching this because I know it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, the Tigers are going to get 50 put on them. Didn't think they'd get 60 put on them, but I was confident they'd get 50 put on them. And sure enough, it happened with ease. And it's, I mean, there's teams now, South South, uh, was it yesterday? They rattled up forty odd points against the Cowboys comfortably. Mm-hmm. Like they cruised to that second gear, cruised to that. It's it's a concern. It's a big concern, and there's yeah. no sign of it easing. I, I'm finding myself skipping games, and I'd never do that. Like if I miss a, a rugby league match, it's normally because something else has been going on in my life, or. You know, there's been something that's taken me away from the game. And now I'm like, I mean, that South game, I didn't watch it at all. I, and I could have, but I chose to just do something else. And, you know, that's not normally what I would do. And like the the night before the Canberra game, I watched the last 20, 30 minutes of that. Uh, tonight's match between the Roosters and Bulldogs, I watched parts of the second half while I was writing on my website. So I was barely watching it at all. Um, and it's just not how I would normally watch a rugby league game. I'm normally the sort of person that could sit down and watch the two worst teams play one another and feel like I'm getting something out of it. And, you know, I, I, I always think, like, I'm the diehard audience of this game. And I'm not saying I'm special or anything. It's just like... If it's if it's difficult for me to watch a match, how are you trying to convince somebody that barely has any interest in the game to watch a match? Exactly. It's I mean, this is something I never thought I'd ever have to do. But a few days ago, I, I made a few um, a few graphs on Twitter, and it was comparing them current Melbourne Storm and their scoring rate with the possibility that they may be able to score either nine hundred or a thousand points this year. Mm. That's stupid. Yeah. The whole concept of that should not be something that ever comes up. And yet they're not far off, you know, tracking-wise, to go close to getting 900 points this year. Yeah, and and the thing is that you look at all of these outrageous records that are being broken by teams and and the anomalies we're seeing in statistics and try-scoring and stuff like that, it's not like you look at the Melbourne Storm and say, wow, this is one of the great attacking teams of all time. Like, they're they're a very good team, don't get me wrong. 
but it's not like they're the 1994 Raiders where you can go through and say, well, they've got probably half a dozen Hall of Famers in their team, plus the rest of them are at least international quality. This is just a very good Melbourne Storm team. And like that's that's the thing I've said about the Panthers. The Panthers' defensive record is a very much an anomaly in this high-scoring season. And I think they're the best defensive team I've seen. But attacking-wise, they're all right. But when you look at their attack on a historic level, they're like in the top level of all of the great attacking yeah. teams. I'm not saying they're the best, but they, they're not even close to those teams. No. Nah. But points being scored, they are right up there. I'd, I'd assume at the moment they're probably tracking to be in the top 15 or top 20 teams for points scored in a season. It, and, and that's just crazy. Outrageous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there's only one team that scored points at a higher rate per game than the current Melbourne Storm side, and that's the 1935 Roosters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was an absolute anomaly of a year because Dave Brown just scored points at will. You know, mm. he played 14 games that year, scored 38 tries. Just, you, you can't put your that mo- into perspective. It's no, just you can't. Your, you, you do the same thing I do. So your mind just sort of shuts down, trying to imagine what that's like to see, you know? Mm. Um, and yet, like, I saw a thing with uh, with Alex Johnson and how he's going this season, and I'm not taking anything away from those players. They're playing what's in front of them. They're playing to today's rules. But it's not like I'm watching Alex Johnson's season and saying, man, he is absolutely tearing the competition up. Where a player like, say, Nathan Blacklock, he had a couple of seasons like that where it was like, if you get him the ball, it's over. He's going to just do something ridiculous. Alex Johnson isn't playing like that, but it's the numbers are just overwhelming for the attack. It's it's just it's not and it's not fun to watch. It's not like we're seeing teams do amazing things to score all these tries. Like we're seeing overlaps where teams have two and three players on the outside of like a team of the West Tigers, for instance, and you're like, yeah. Oh, that was easy. Yeah. And it's not one or two tries that are easy. It's like some of these teams are letting in four or five tries that are easy. That's right. It's and that's the teams are still trying to figure out how to defend. Look, I'm not. I'm talking about the the bottom, say, twelve teams. Mm. <laughs> it's funny saying bottom twelve teams, but you know, it's probably well, I'm making the bottom ten teams. They're still trying to still trying to figure out how to defend against the top six teams. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying new things. The Tigers last week against South, they tried this insanely um, compressed defense where the wingers on the absolute furthermost edges were two men in. And South still ran around the outside of them and they refused to stretch out on the edges Mm. because they needed as much help as they could get in the middle. Um, And other teams, they're trying to work out different ways and still haven't figured out how to stop the attacking rates from these teams. But, you know, got to get better. Fuck, I hate that line. Same here. Same here. And, and it's stupid because, you know, this rule set has absolutely broken the game. It's like there's no doubt about it. And you've got these people that still back Peter Volandis for I don't know what reason. And they're all saying, well, these teams need to start playing better and getting better coached and do better with recruitment and stuff. And it's like, We've got, this is a two-team competition. 
Are you fucking serious? Yeah. It's it's off the charts how, how stupid it is. And it's making the game unwatchable. And it sucks because, like, you know, it, it, it'd be really nice to be able to watch rugby league and just enjoy it and come on here and say, wow, this play was amazing, that play was amazing. Like, it's not even like the football when a team is putting on 60 points is fun to watch. It's really basic basic stuff it's runs out of dummy half and then you go to the to the edge and you've got space and that's yep. if they've got all of their players on the field let alone if they've had two or three people sent off that's it it's 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 the most simplest of gameplay that is working for these top sides and that is three hit up straight up the middle Mm-hmm. Then you do one run wide, and then you spread it out wide if you're in the, in the attacking zone. Mm-hmm. It's pretty basic stuff, and we've seen it before, 1999 to 2004, 2005. It was all that all over again. And I don't know if anyone remembers how, how the game reacted to that in 2006, 2007. Wrestling came into the ruck, mm-hmm. slowed everything down a lot. The, the score lines got closer. The uh, game got a lot closer, which was the only benefit out of the wrestle. I will say this, though. Do you think we've ever had a prolonged period in rugby league in the modern era? So let's say, and I don't use the NRL era because I'm not a fucking moron. (laughs) In the modern era, since we've had the 10-meter rule in, do you think we've had a prolonged amount of football that was as good as the football we saw from, say, 2006 to 2019? Maybe not not for that long period of time, but in the mm. 80s. I'd say from probably 84 to 80, 89. And that's only five, six years, so it's nowhere yeah. near as long. But... That's probably the only bit in more recent times and before the 10-meter rule that comes into play that we've had, um, you know, close games. Prior to that, the only real close time we had, and again, it was for a shorter period of time, was in the 1920s. Yeah. When score scoring was just really low for, for several years there and mm-hmm. margins were close. Um, that's how far you got to go back. But, yeah, and- the game had been getting closer and closer and better from 2006 to, to 2019 and getting closer, getting better. Um, even the number of points being scored per game was, was instead of rapidly going up at this similar level, it was starting to really plateau quite mm. a lot, mm. um, which was good. Yeah. And yeah, it's just exploded again. It's just stupid. There's not a, not a single bit of stats or facts at the moment you can toss up that points to the game being better now than what it was last year or the year before. Yeah. And, you know, if whoever wins this year, and I hope that it's Penrith, I still think that we can win it. Um, You know, it's going to be a two-team comp. You're going to look back and and you're going to have to say, well, Melbourne and Penrith were cut above everyone else. Parramatta looked all right. South looked all right at times. And outside of that, it was just garbage like the manly seagulls are in fifth place i think that says it all about this year yeah i mean manly had one of the worst ever starts to a season any team's ever had 
after four rounds, they'd lost all four games and they conceded 90, 140, 150-odd points. Mm. Ridiculous. They've only lost two games since, and they've been racking up points like you couldn't believe. Yeah, they've had 50-plus points scored in their, all of their last three games. It's it's sad to watch. It's really sad to watch. Yeah. Because I just I want to enjoy some rugby league. Yeah, and we're not being able to enjoy anything at this stage. It's just absurd what's going on. I've got to Although, say, the best, the best game I've seen all year is that women's state of origin. I was about to say the same thing. That's been yeah. the best game of rugby league so far because it was actually rugby league. It's played under rugby league rules. And, it, like, not even close. There's no game has come close to that nah, one. It's been by far the best game of the last two years. Mm. Bar none. Bar none. Um, I'd, it's actually got me to the point where I'll, <laughs> I almost wanted to demand, selfishly, Mm-hmm. That they should just make the NRL women's competition run for the entire the same length as the men's one, yeah. and concurrently, so that we could all just ignore the NRL and just watch the NRL women's comp instead, so we can watch rugby league again. I'd be up for it. Oh yeah, so it's just it's a no brainer. It's interesting that they come out with a rule change for the women's competition where. Uh, for this NRLW season, they're going to be playing 70 minutes rather than 60 minutes, which uh, because they said they wanted to bring in the the uh, fatigue factor. <laughs> it's like, who the fuck are these people running around saying, you know what, that was a really good game of football. I just wish everyone was really fucking tired, though. That would have yeah. made it so much better. Yeah, you know, the thing that's, that shits me about this whole fatigue factor is not only, I mean, we're seeing this year, the impact it has on score lines, but the bigger impact and the bigger concern is the impact it has on the players' bodies and injuries. And you know, it's bad enough when blokes being paid for three, four, five hundred thousand dollars a year getting injuries and they're going to get operations done. You know, this impacts their lives later on. But when you've got women who are not earning even a fraction of that money, being put under the same risk, man, I I really despise the concept. Yeah, so do I, and. You know, I think that it's funny because people talk about the fatigue factor. What they really are saying is, you know what is really cool is when it's at the end of a state of origin match and these two teams have thrashed one another for 80 minutes and you get players that you see are just dragging themselves to a victory. That's what they're thinking about. They don't mean to put it in every fucking game of football from 15 minutes onwards. Yeah, and that's what they've done. Yeah. It's insane. And now the big concern, other than what they're doing, you know, trying to introduce into the women's game, is it's looking like the international game may be adopting quite a few more of these rules in time for the World Cup. And, boy, I feel sorry for, you know, anyone other than, if if we're serious, uh, in the pool games, anyone other than New Zealand, England, Australia, Tonga, because a lot, and probably Fiji and Papua New Guinea, because all those other teams who go through years of busting their backsides to qualify for the World Cup when they finally get there for the first time ever or maybe the second time ever, mm-hmm. they're going to get there and they're just going to get absolutely annihilated by these new rules and there's nothing you can do about it. And you can't tell me that's a great advertisement for rugby league in Jamaica or Greece. Exactly. Um you know, how many in world sport, how many 
sports do you turn up for the World Cup, haven't qualified over the course of years and stuff, and they say, oh, yeah, the rules have changed, by the way. Just letting yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. And in them, and several of them, in giant ways. Now, I was going to save this for an episode tomorrow night, but I reckon we do it right now. Okay. Um, there's a lot of talk, and it's just talk, and it's a lot of attacks on the NRL and Australia because they're going to shut down the Rugby League World Cup. They're not going to turn up to the World Cup. The NRL clubs aren't going to let their players play in the World Cup. And I'm seeing a lot of reaction, and I have yet to hear one single quote from an official, a player, or a coach, or an NRL club that has cast any doubt on if the World Cup is on, we will go. Yeah, I... Now, you and me, we think the same thing about the World Cup. Right now, I, I would be kind of shocked if the World Cup went ahead because the cases over in the UK are still very high. We've got cases here. You're going to have to have players that are... A lot of the players that are over here are going to have to go to the UK. Are they going to have to quarantine for two weeks and then play games in a bubble and then theoretically quarantine two weeks when they come back to Australia, if they can get back to Australia for Australia's own, only for Australia's sake, let alone the Kiwis who get a lot of their plays from the New Zealand Warriors who can't even go back to New Zealand mm -hmm. right now. And like, haven't done last year either. Yeah. And there's all of these factors in place and it just is what it is. It's a shitty situation we've all got to deal with. And yet I keep on hearing people, and it's mostly from the UK, saying Australia's going to stop the World Cup from going ahead. And I can't find one single quote suggesting Australia's going to stop the World Cup. No, that's because there is none. Um, I think I think the organisers need to you know need to look at this with a completely different mindset, and that is, don't try and have a one month long tournament in one country. In this stage, it's just ridiculous. It's unsafe for the players more than anything else. Mm -hmm. What they should have is just say, you know what, let's just have a Northern Hemisphere and a Southern Hemisphere comp. And, you know, you'll have a have the finalists for both both divisions play each other in the World Cup final at the end. We've had far worse World Cup concepts in the past. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, we two World Cups in the 80s where over three years, sorry, three, four-year period, the last test in every test series was also a World Cup game. And the, the reason why they did it that way is because when you had Australia playing um, France or Papua New Guinea, it was a way of making sure that the third test wasn't a dead rubber. The The team that had lost their first two games still had something to play for in the third game. That was an idea to try and make sure that the, the team that's been wiped off the field keeps turning up for all three games, so to speak. Yeah. We did that for 85 to 88 and then 89 to 92. This concept is its not as bad as that. But I was just thinking most of the players, I think, for um, all the Southern Hemisphere teams and probably Greece and Lebanon are going to be Australian-based players. Mm -hmm. So why not have those teams play down here, put them in pools, draw them at random, I don't care what you do, and just say, you know what, we'll play those games down here. The other teams that are in the... the uh, the northern half of the comp, uh, including Jamaica. A lot of their teams come from the English lower grades. Mm -hmm. um, have them play over there in the Northern Hemisphere. All right. 
and then just have the the winner of the top two divisions. Or if you want to try and make some sort of final series out of it, get the top four teams, um, you know, top two from each each division and make them play each other and have a finals you know, out of that and just play it over a weekend or some shit or two weekends or something like that, you know. Just do that to try and minimise the amount of people you're moving around and minimise the amount of COVID being moved around or, or the risk of it anyway. As I think this is the first time we've got to have a World Cup where we have to be thinking in a socially responsible manner instead of just, oh, we want to make sure we get the games in there and get as much money we can out of World Cup advertising and blah, blah, blah. blah. Just can't be having that. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, the thing that is being lost in a lot of the criticism that, uh, and I don't know why it's all aimed at Australia, but you look at the costs involved for, say, a team like, and I'm just drawing a random team, Fiji, where if they do have to go over to the UK and go into two weeks of quarantine, who pays for that? Who pays for all of the money that for the hotel that they hopefully can find to quarantine in? Uh, who pays for all the players' food and you know their allowances and things like that? And then you play a World Cup, and then you've got to do it all again. And you know you might have to pay for quarantine for players that go to a dozen different countries after the World Cup. It's not going to be easy. And you and me. I dare say would have been looking forward to the World Cup more than 99.99% of people on planet Earth. Like, that is the prestigious tournament that is happening this year. We want it to go ahead. But it's just very, very difficult to see going ahead under its original plan just because of the circumstances that the whole world is facing right now. And people are saying, well, the Olympics is going ahead. And, you know, look at the European soccer championship that's gone ahead Mm. that's not the rugby league world cup they've got their own different circumstances they've got different amounts of money that are involved in them they're in different places you know it's i think that if if the world cup if people really care about the world cup they've got to look at ways to make something happen with the world cup where it works under these circumstances but to just turn around and say well the NRL stopping it is a cop-out, and I don't know what is behind it. I really don't. Uh, who knows? It's There's no reason why you couldn't just have even a, uh, a Northern Hemisphere sort of European competition type thing and just have that instead of a World Cup instead. And they could do the same thing with the Pacific Cup in Australia, and I think that's probably something that would work much more sensibly than trying to have a, a rugby league world cup. I can't see how that's a viable thing at the moment. I, I just don't. Yeah. Um, and the, I think the mentality too, is the fact that um, England has played their super league and to some extent, the lower grades this year um, in England, despite having all of these case numbers over there. And so they don't, they don't see it as being, as big a deal as Australia does. You know, you we, know what, like start... Sydney, Sydney at the moment has got what, 52 cases today. Yeah. And even though a lot of people in Australia are criticising the response from um, the New South Wales Premier and how she's approaching it and whether she's not locking down hard enough or not, her response to it is a lot more strict and a lot more sensible than anything England has ever done in, in the whole process. They've had COVID. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, their numbers, if we had their numbers over here, we would be in a complete national meltdown. Um, and we're, look, over there, we're seeing Super League games are being cancelled very regularly at the moment because of COVID uh bubbles being broken and players getting COVID and things like that. So it's not even as though at the moment over in England, you're able to run the Super League competition and it be fine. Uh, and I know that you and me have gone back and forth on, oh, how will they run the Rugby League World Cup? Oh, it looks like it'll be fine now. Oh, it looks like it might be iffy. At the moment, I I just can't see how it can go ahead. And I hope that I'm wrong. I really hope that I'm wrong. I hope that by the end of the year, we're doing, you know, multiple episodes about all of the awesome World Cup games we've been watching. But I just can't see that happening, unfortunately, at the moment. And it's not the NRL's fault or NRL clubs or Australia or anything like that. It's COVID-19. Yeah, that's all it is. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. Um, I did see two... Uh, in a more positive sort of thing about World Cups is France have put in a bid to host the 2025 World Cup. Yeah, I saw that too. So are you going to buy tickets for the 2025 World Cup when it's in Australia? Because <laughs> I'll be I, going. I, if COVID's gone, I'd love to go to France to watch the rugby, you know, any regular rugby league World Cup games there in 2025. I think that would be absolutely fantastic to do. Do you think we should hold the final in Brisbane or Sydney? Oh, well, instead of Carcassonne, I'm. I think it'll be in Brisbane again. I don't know. I reckon Gladys will probably want her money back for losing Origin, so it'll probably be in Sydney. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's fair enough. The the twenty twenty five French Rugby League World Cup. Yeah, it's going to be good. We need some French French standing um, Australian cities. Yeah, we don't really have any, do we? Vaucluse? Oh. That's the only one I can think of. At the La Perouse? La Perouse, yeah. Um, yeah, there's not many. Yeah, that's it really, isn't it? Wiseman's Ferry? No, that's not one. Uh, uh, Humula? Humula. <laughs> 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 they've, they've got a lovely sports ground out at Humula. What about Lakamba? Oh, <laughs> oh Lakamba. <laughs> Janali? Janali. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I would love the Rugby League World Cup to be in France. If I was running the International Rugby League, it would be in France in 2025, and that would be it. But it's not going to happen. We all know it. We all know how this works. It sucks when you're a rugby league fan for long enough to be defeated. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> to be just ready for the disappointment. But, uh, just, yeah. but just be defeated about the game internationally. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be worse if you're in an English rugby league fan, you're disappointed. You're defeated about rugby league everywhere. Yeah. Because they've conditioned be. you to be that way. Oh, man. Has been a disappointing episode. <laughs> Mind you, all of the audio fuckers of the start were worth it. Yeah, for people that don't know, Andrew <laughs> Andrew was had a real big problem with the recording part of recording a podcast earlier. Yeah. All of his audio equipment didn't work. Yeah, and then all my 
programs and stuff needed to be restarted for some reason. And then they all worked, and then all of a sudden they started interfering with one another, and we tried on the phone, and we tried using – oh, it was just fucking debacle. How, uh, how are we looking for getting you back on the podcast regularly? Because I feel like there's only so many episodes people can go with me yelling at them about things. <laughs> um, I think we're starting to ease towards something a little bit more consistent. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely going to try and um, – work towards trying to organize at least, you know, to start with at least one episode a week. Ah, sweet. So hopefully we can do that. Um, it's, it's interesting with the single episodes. I feel like I'm I'm getting really good at that doing the single episodes, but I realized I have basically the same cadence in talking as Dan Carlin, and I didn't even realize it until I listened to one back. So I'm talking about, Jai Arrow and his build-up of excess jeers because he was sad. And uh, I'm saying it basically in the same sort of cadence as Dan Carlin. It was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, that's, that is funny. Mm. See, I I tend to skip whenever I'm talking on a podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, it's got it's got really hard for me to listen to our podcast. But when, when it's just when it's just you on your own, I'm going, oh, I can tune in this time around because I'm not on it. Oh, really? So yeah. what do you think about the episodes I've done? I think they're fantastic. Really? Yeah. So, need, some of them you, have been better than others, I think. See? I listen to it going, man, I'm holding this bastard back. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's the Jai Arrow one. It was funny because that was the main one where I was like, if me and Andrew did this, we would be laughing for two hours about all this shit. And instead I was like, I can't do that. So I've got to take a different tact. And I went in with the, the style that I went in with and uh, it come out all right, I guess. That's what she said. Um, <laughs> I'll be checking that. was a problem that come out. That was a problem. Hey, um, I've noticed this for, for about three and a half years. Um, have we had any emails? Oh, shit. People stopped emailing us, eh? <laughs> you stopped yeah. asking about it? Yeah, we haven't had emails for about two months because we asked everyone for emails and then we didn't get around to reading them, unfortunately. So that was a problem. Do you want to read a few? Yeah, let me go back and i got to open up the uh, Fergie on the Freak website. We won't go through all of them, um, but we'll go through a few here and there and see if we can convince people to start emailing us again. Yeah. Okay. Let me just log in. We'll try and tease them a little bit and say, we're going to do an Ask Candy episode too, soon too. Yeah, it's been a I'm while. Missing I'm missing those. Yeah, same here. Uh, okay. No, they're the comments. i got to go to feedback. Okay. Uh, so the last one we had was in May 26th. It's from Dewey Ash. He said, hello, Super Dad and Crypto Lord. (laughs) (laughs) I'm done with that. When sugarcane was introduced around the world by the British to supply their insatiable desire for terrible teeth, it brought along with it a couple of undesirable pests, the cane beetle and rats. In a few of the affected countries, the ruling body had the genius idea of introducing a couple of new species to deal with... What the fuck is this, new Ash? What the fuck? Uh, uh, Okay, so they brought in cane toads and mongoose. Unfortunately, the cane toads could not jump high enough to deal with the cane beetles, and mongoose much preferred to decimate the local snake populations and eat rats. Both of these outcomes would have been apparent 
with some basic planning and research prior to their cowboy implementations. I feel like this analogy represents where PVL has taken the NRL with these cowboy rule changes. Do you think we have reached a cane toad slash mongoose level of rule change outcomes yet? And what are the chances we see PVL fix everything by introducing metaphorical jackals and giant tarantulas? Cheers, Nui Ash. That's actually a relevant question still. That is the best question I've ever heard in any platform, that in is. any, anywhere, ever. Although, although next time, Nui Ash, and it was very good, and I liked it. But we can do without the, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. <laughs> oh, I fucking love that. So, I was going to say, we need to get Nui Ash on the episode. Maybe the, when, when you're doing an episode on your own, you can get him on for, for a chat. Yeah, that would be a good chat. I, yeah. I think that they... I think that they're going to introduce more dumbass rules yep. and eventually PVL will leave and then somebody will take over from him and they will fix the game back to where it was. Hey, by the way, did you see fucking Wayne Pierce and what he said? No. Okay, Wayne Pierce was talking about the introduction of these stupid fucking rule changes and he said he was finding it difficult to get through two or three games before these rule changes come in. And it's like, dude, you're on the Australian Rugby League Commission. So we've got a commissioner who didn't even like watching rugby league. That's, I'm going to say this. I think he's talking utter BS. Mm-hmm. And all he's doing is trying to defend PVL. And he's trying to, because he's, he's on the ARLC, Wayne Pierce. And I think, he, I think that's all he's trying to do. He's, he's coming out and he's saying, I'm going to try and help PVL and give him a good, yeah, a bit of support because obviously no one else is because they know it's they're all bullshit rule changes, and I think that's pretty much what he's trying to do there. Yeah, ridiculous, absolutely yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, it's um, a dumb statement though. Um, yeah, look, I think like you, I think what's going to happen is there will be more rule changes because PVL is a pig-headed fucking idiot and he's too stupid to realise he's capable of mistakes. And he's made several of them here. And instead of going back and saying, you know what, we tried this. It didn't work. My bad. Let's just roll it back and maybe look at something else. He's just going to go, nope, I'm just going to put another Band-Aid over it and bring in another rule change. And we're going to keep doing this and go round and round fucking circles the whole time until he gets the ass, And he's just run a whole bloody web of shit around rugby league. That's what's going to yep. happen. Yep. I agree. I agree. And, uh, I mean, this isn't rugby league what we're watching. No, it just isn't. No. Um, we've got a, a question here. This is even a longer one from Liam. Uh, and he says, hi, guys. Why are you hating on our Lord and Saviour, Valandi, so much? Can't you see how much his impeccable leadership has done for rugby league? If we didn't have him, we wouldn't have got the competition started a whole two weeks before everyone else did. Mm-hmm. That's like 14 days or something. And because we're the first back anywhere between three to 30 billion Americans watched our sport. Remember that time when people were like, you know what? This can be it for rugby league. They're going to start up quicker than everyone else. The Americans have nothing else to watch. This is going to be massive. Didn't quite work out that way. No, no. You know, you know what was really smart about that Mm. is that we finally cornered the entire American audience. Mm -hmm. And then, when people went to the website to watch games of rugby league, we weren't fucking streaming it there anymore. 
Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> no, it's so stupid. I want to get through all the people that messaged us, so I can't read everyone. Lightning McQueen, uh, Lightning McQueenbian is his name, said, I've been to Queenbian. Have you ever been to Queenbian? I have, yeah. Man. G'day, cunts. <laughs> Just wondering how fucking stupid knee-jerk rule changes will affect our national team for the World Cup. Clearly no other country is fucking up their rules this much or worse, yet copying ours. Love the podcast. If you's blokes are ever in Canberra or Queanbeyan, for any reason, let me know. I know the best pie shops and coffee joints in town. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> I, love re- I love reading these ones exactly how they're written, by the way. It's so fucking great. That, that sounds like code for pawn shops and fireworks outlets. <laughs> The only place that I, I, I know that's go, Fishwick, but you know, anyway. yeah, that's Fishwick. Yeah, with the they have it's the porn Fishwick shops. Queen Bean, it's all close enough. Who cares? It's, uh, <laughs> I guess it is. See, Fishwick's good for for fireworks, porn, and uh, they've got a nice little market there. But they've also got strip clubs as well. Uh-huh. Um, so I have yeah. to bring Jairo down to show us which ones to go to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Lightning McQueen also sent another one. I know, I think that's he sent it twice. That's all right. Lambretta. He said, uh, rugby league journalists and ridiculous proposals. Hi, guys. Dick hat devil sauce squirter here, a.k.a. Lambretta. (laughs) He's talking about his name for his team in the uh, tipping comp. Yeah. I am coming to the conclusion that journalists either don't watch rugby league games or they don't understand what they are watching. We've gotten rid of the wrestle through six agains. Um, no, you haven't. <laughs> All teams wrestle. And guess what? The ones that are really good at it and control the ruck are effectively all at the top of the ladder. That's but exactly all... right. Yeah, he's true. He's fucking true. All teams. You know what? The best wrestling team I've ever seen, Penrith Panthers. Um, but it hasn't changed. We need conferences. Um, you already pretty much have them. Most Sydney clubs play other Sydney clubs twice a year, while since state teams play less frequently. Look at the draw. Um, I, who else have we got here? I just want to try and get through everyone. Actually, I was going to say on that too. The yeah. uh, the journalists do watch the games, but not in the way you think they do. Okay, this is pointed. I noticed this the other day. The first time it's really sort of stood out to me. Yeah, is you know how. We'll watch a game of football and we'll analyse what the players do and what yes. they don't do and the mistakes they make and how they could make it better, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, journalists do the same thing, but they only focus on the referee because <laughs> they had a an article that came up on Fox Sports uh, yesterday, I think mm. it was, and it had on there two different shoulder charges to the head of a player from two different games, and one player got punished and the other one didn't. And they're going, "What's the difference between these two? And I'm like, "See, that's the problem." with the media, is mm. that they spend all their time analysing the referee, which is why we've got all these stupid rules making referees' jobs harder and all these rule changes all the time trying to crack down on things that referees can do on their own anyway like they used to do. Now we've got all these rule changes to, you know, in quotation marks, assist them when all it does is hinder them. That's because the media spends so much time focusing on what the referee does because they are so clueless on how the game is played and how to analyse the game properly the only thing they know how to analyse is referees. Yeah. 
I because agree. They're, they're easy to pick at, and that's all they do. They analyze the refs. That's all they do because they're fucking stupid and they have not a single ounce of how to play the game and how to, how to watch a game with an analytical eye. Bunch of alcohol, alcoholic shit for brains. Um, you know the other thing, the other people that can't work out rugby league, people that are a part of the production of what you see. So you watch Fox Sports, right? And you watch it, say you watched it tonight. All they kept on going about is how there's breaking news. There's breaking news in <laughs> rugby league. Wait until halftime. There's big breaking news. And it's like, just call the fucking game. And like that, I, I talked about this, I think, in a podcast a couple of weeks ago, where they'll say, we've got a new camera. There's a new camera. Look at the new camera. It's on wheels. It's on, oh, it's on fucking it. skates. They love new cameras. And who have you ever sat down with somebody and said, Man, how about that Origin game? Did you see the fucking camera? How was the cinematography? Ooh, you know what I liked? I liked the part where the fucking camera flew it down on some fucking rails and went right down on the field. That was the best part of the whole game for me. Yeah, yeah. it's um, It reminds me when Cricket brought in the Rover camera. Mm-hmm. And all I remember of the commentary was Shane Warne constantly wanking himself silly over the fucking Rover. You want to give it a name and all sort of shit. Are you a cricket commentator or are you a fucking IT nerd? Like, pick one. Yeah, exactly. And he decided, to, he decided to pick Root Rat again anyway, so yeah, he, at least he went back to form. Go back to form. Um, the It's like when they brought in that camera that they said was uh, had a, a different field of view and it gave the players a cinematic feel when they went up to them after they scored a try. And I'm watching it, I'm like, it's a camera. <laughs> I just I just couldn't I couldn't get a chub over it. I don't know yeah. why other people did, but it's people that are in that field, you know, so I get it. You're a hard but, sell, mate. <laughs> yeah, well, I am a bit of a hard sell. I mean, I'm a fucking cunt, you know, that you can't sell shit to a cunt like me. But um yeah, it it's I always find it weird that when you see people bring like fucking Hooper was doing the sideline commentary, uh, not commentary, the sideline sort of eye in the game tonight between the Bulldogs and uh, Roosters. Did he, did he spot Latrell's Merc by any chance? He didn't spot Latrell's Merc, but it was funny. He didn't talk about the game for one fucking second. He broke, he to be fair, he broke the news about Matt Dufty talking about uh, him going to the Bulldogs for on a one-year deal. And... Then he talked about a little bit about the State of Origin game going up to the Gold Coast, but he didn't fucking talk about what was happening on the field for one second. Okay, and so he's I, basically a teenager on his mobile phone for the whole first for the whole game. Pretty much, yeah. Right. Thanks for that, Hoops. Did he yell? Of course he did. Oh, well, uh, yeah, at, least he's, at least he's sticking true to that. I mean, he's got his cliche. He can hang on to that. And he, he, had, he did that... Uh, that adorable little scowl he does. Oh, <laughs> it's adorable. It's cute. It's it's just you know, <laughs> someone ever comes up to you with a scowl like that, you're fine. You just give him a little kiss on the cheek. You adorable. Let me tell you, someone comes up to you with a scowl like that, you can do whatever you want to them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. What other emails we got? Uh, let's see. Uh, Nui Ash says, because he sent us a couple. This is from April 29th. 
He says, hi, champion podcasters. In Brazil, all kids play futsal until the age of 15 or 16 before switching to outdoor soccer. This system works for them on a number of levels. In your opinion, is there any merit to kids playing touch football until the age of, say, 13 or so before switching to tackle rugby league? Cheers, Ash. I think it depends. I I think 13 is probably a bit too old because your body needs to start getting conditioned technique-wise to making a tackle. Yeah. And you've got to be wanting to, you know, and comfortable with that uh that contact and the best way to do that is to be doing it from as young as possible like two kids running into each other they're not going to hit each other that much force or pace yeah and so it's a good way to learn tackle technique and you know how to get in the right position and all that sort of thing and it also means that they're comfortable as as they get bigger and the collisions get bigger they're they're comfortable with that arrangement the whole way through yeah so i think it's i think it's good that they're they're playing um, tackle football, you know, before they're teenagers. I'm I'm fine with that. Um, I think though they should, you know, I think the the best thing they could probably do is to have a tackle version of touch. So you bring in some touch yeah. rules, but instead of just having you touch them, you've actually just got to hold them. Well, this is what we. This is what every kid has played at school. You probably played this at school, right? Where you could kick the. It was touch footy. But you sort of, it was almost grab. It yeah. wasn't just a single touch. It was like you, you got stopped. You had someone in your way, you were stopped, right? Yeah. But you, there was kicking involved. There was everything involved in rugby league, but it was just the tackling wasn't there. And in fact, you, the, the other thing that wasn't there was obviously scrums. You would just tap the ball. Um, and there wasn't a play the ball. You just tap it and pass it on. Like that's what we played. That was the rules we played at school. You know, this, this this sounds like the next lot of rule changes the PVL is going to bring. Oh, shit, I fucked up. <laughs> I you, fucked up. I gave him some ideas. You don't go fucked up, mate. Damn. <laughs> He's just written those ones down. Hmm. Tap instead of play the ball. No scrums already done that one. <laughs> just grab. We could do that one on one grab. Imagine oh, the, the imagine the amount of excitement we can get in the game. We just grab. By the way. Did you see the end of the Roosters versus Bulldogs game? Didn't watch it. Okay, that's good. You didn't miss anything. So Sam Walker gets the – there's like 20 seconds to go. The Roosters are up by six. They're attacking the Bulldogs line. They pass the ball back to Sam Walker, who's in perfect field goal position. He gets the ball, and I shit you not, runs back towards his own in-goal line, his own in-goal line, 90-odd metres, does a little bit of a pirouette and then runs over the dead ball line. And that's how the game ends. Yeah. I was disgusted. Yeah. It's I've not seen against it happen once. I've seen it happen once or twice before in the past, just to wind the clock down, that sort of bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know. I don't know why it doesn't get the criticism it should, because I'd put that down as being as unsportsmanlike as, say, an underarm delivering cricket. Okay, now this is, it's interesting you say that, because that's the thing that comes to my mind that's unsporting, and it's not paying your opposition the respect that I think that every opposition deserves. But here's the thing that got me for the Bulldogs. Why didn't you have 13 Bulldogs charging down that field after him, right? Mm. And I know they're tired. 
and then whatever he does with that ball, put his ass in the dirt. Beat, yeah, make it, if, he, if he's running back to his own end goal, if he's running down to his own end goal, chase him and make him run harder. So he's a, if he's going to take it dead, he does it with time still on the clock and then you get the ball back in their half. Exactly. And there was one Bulldogs player chased him and I wish I could, I knew who it was. Um, and he started chasing down the field and kind of looked back like, where the fuck is everyone else? He, and it, the game was over. But yeah, I was uh, I was not happy when I saw that. I understand it's completely under the rules. That was fine and everything, but something in my soul was just disgusted. Yeah, it's up there with those. Every time you see someone, it's it's a handover, mm-hmm. and the player who's got to hand the ball over doesn't. Yeah, they hold like on they, to it. They put it behind their back, or they walk away with it, or they they roll it away somewhere else and go, what "The fuck are you doing?" Yeah. No, that's just childish bullshit. Stop being a dickhead. Just give the fucking ball over, you moron. And they all do it. Every team has players that they all do it. There's no going, you're not achieving anything by doing this. Like, what's the what's the point? What's the purpose? Mm. I don't understand. It's such a stupid thing. And, and it, all, it all used to get sorted out when you could punch someone in the face. Exactly. And people say, oh, fucking Neanderthals, blah, 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 blah. There's a- there's a rule you bring in. If someone doesn't hand the ball over to you in this post, you should be allowed to have at least one free hit to their face. <laughs> if they get if they get fucking knocked out and they've got to go off, then that counts as an interchange because you deserve that for being a moron. Just hand the ball over, you dickhead. Mm. Just you, if you don't, there's got to be different rules. So you don't hand the ball over immediately. One right in the guts, right? You run backwards ninety meters with the ball, you get one in the chin. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> From anyone who's within 10 metres of you. At least make it sporting. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. yeah. Like if, you, if you're not going to chase after, then you deserve to lose. We Basically, I just want UFC in, on a rugby league field. I want wrestling. I want punching. Yeah, why not? Yeah, I'm up for it. All right. Any just, other emails? Just get Conor McGregor out there playing... Uh, goes up against the Bulldogs. He's like, who the fuck is that guy? Um, <laughs> who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> Lightning McQueenbian, he emailed us on the 28th of April. We are he going said, back. I know, right? This is he back said, when I was the father of only one child. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you were still sleeping back then. Yeah. Um, he well. says, G'day, cunts. Love the show. More history episodes when you can, please. I'm glad we followed up with that. The Duncan Thompson episode was the biggest eye-opener for me, I reckon. Are the Raiders cooked? Spoiler alert, yep. You called it. Absolutely called it, mate. did call it, yeah. I was at the Eels versus Raiders game the other week, and they just looked tired on the field. He's right. Poor defensive reads, 100%. Forwards not bending the line and unimaginative playmakers. Uh, Then watching them against the Cowboys on the weekend, I knew they were gone. Man, he nailed this. Yeah. Fucking nailed it. The thing is, though, I think if we were still playing under 2019 rules, Canberra would be one of the top five teams. I agree. Um. And the Warriors would be up there as well. And they've both been impacted by the fact that they've got big, big forward packs. Mm-hmm. And you can't have that in a game that's moving this fast. And that's where the rule changes in the off season have caught 
a few teams off guard. Um, Cronulla's another one that's a little bit impacted by it because they had a, a big pack. Um, the West Tigers started to bulk theirs up for the first time ever at the wrong time, mm-hmm. and it's slowed, it's, it's hampered them a bit as well. Um, and you look at teams like um, the Storm and Penrith, very mobile forwards. The only team that sort of defies that logic a little bit is Parramatta because they've still got two pretty decent-sized props there. But their yep. bench rotation is very good for the forwards, and that makes up for it. Yeah, but the th- and the thing about Para, Paul, and we've talked about this on the podcast, Paulo's a big dude who can do – he can just be a power forward if yeah. he needs to be. But his mobility is ridiculous. It is, it is. He plays like a smaller player. Yeah, he's um, very much in that. Tormalolo, even Josh Papali a few years back, very similar. Um, very mobile, very good on their feet uh, for, for big blokes. Yeah. Uh, freakishly good skills in that regard. Um, so yeah, that's that's the thing that gets them. I think Canberra, their pack is just too big for the way the game's played at the moment. Um, and Hodgson is not as sharp out of dummy half anymore as he used to be. I think his first two seasons here, he was very quick at getting the ball out of dummy half, which was what gave Canberra a lot of momentum. But for some reason now, he does this thing that Farrow did in his last few seasons where he'd pick the ball up and take one or two steps first before passing. Mm. And doing that means you've already chosen a side that you're going to pass the ball to. So the defense can automatically slide across and cut off the the, the, the attacking rate. Whereas if you're just going to straight off the deck one way or the other, the defense has got less time to read what's going on. So it's more of a one-on-one sort of situation there defensively. Yeah. But right now, defenders can now, you know, they can now stack up on one side, when, whichever side he runs. And so he's nullifying his own ability. Yeah, I agree. I agree. They need to get rid of him. Um, so, yeah, Lightning and McQueen being nailed it back in April. Tigers man 90, 990, he said, this is back on April 26th, and this is interesting. He says, hello, fellas. I'm seeing a lot of Tigers fans want Shane Flanagan as our coach oh. if Madge gets sacked. I personally want Madge to stay because I don't want to relive the coaching frenzy over and over again. I generally don't know how it would go with Flano. I'd like to get your opinion on it. And if not, who would you like to see in the position? Love, Tigers man, kiss, kiss, kiss. There is not Um, a coach in the moment in the NRL mm -hmm. who is bad enough, in my view, that Shane Flano would be an upgrade on them. Yeah, 100%. Um, especially in the way the game's played at the moment. Flanagan's only skill is having a team that can compete in grinding games. And how many grinding games have we got going at the moment? It just doesn't happen. Yeah. No. Um, he would not be any good. Uh, defensively, it was very much a one-trick pony sort of thing he had where um, the defense would slide all the time. That's all they did. Uh, and they were very good at it, but they weren't very good at, um, you know, protecting their little men. Used to see Chad Townsend, um, Tog Carney, James Maloney would always get isolated. Mm. They had no one defending them and covering them. Um, that would just be a recipe for disaster in the modern game. And I never saw him produce anything that knew how to cover that shortcoming all the time. Um, furthermore, he's... Ethics alone, no, 
don't want anything like that with the club. Mm. I don't think the problem at the West Tigers is is Michael Maguire. There are people above Michael Maguire that are a big problem and have been for a long time there, and they need to get the ass. Yeah, they need to move on asap. Um, Maguire's greatest strength has always been his ability to produce a good defensive system. The system he's got in place would work if the players had the uh, temerity to fucking talk to one another, mm-hmm. but they haven't. And not just since Maguire's been there, they never have. Before he was there, under Taylor, under Cleary, they never spoke to one another. So Cleary's way of dealing with that was to get in people who could defend well and get the person next to them to defend alongside them. That's all he could do to fix it. And that's why we had these expensive players who knew no one knew how to use when it came to attack. Because that's what yeah. That was his short short form way of trying to fix the problem. Mm. Um the, look this this Tigers team I said a couple of weeks ago on Twitter, I think Maguire should like step down as coach for himself because they're not responding to him, and there's no doubt he's a great coach. There's no doubt about that at all. And I feel as though he can't fix this problem, and it's not about Michael Maguire. I don't think anyone can fix the problem at the Tigers at the moment. I think outside of some weird Hail Mary sort of move where maybe they should get Mary McGregor in, um, <laughs> where they get somebody in that you wouldn't think of as a coach, and for whatever reason they come up with something that works – but but I'm looking at this Tigers team and I'm like they don't care, they they don't even pretend to care, and I just wouldn't want to waste my coaching career there. I think I think a, a recent appointment they made to try and deal with that, um, which may help is Robbie Farrar. They got him in the the training squad. You know, he's one of the trainers who runs the water bottles and stuff like that out. Yeah, if, if he's to sit. Just off the field, like when the Tigers are on their own try line and just sit behind the dead ball line and bark orders to the defensive lineup from there and try and coach players to look around and what they've got to do, that could be the only thing they can do at the moment short term to try and fix some of that issues. But the problem is they've, they've got not enough talkers in the team. Um, I think there was a comment by James Tama a few weeks back saying that I think it was the week after they played the Storm and got flogged. Mm. And he made it pretty clear, you know, we, we got a lesson from them on what, we sh- what we're doing wrong. And that is, you know, the Storm players, they were talking and yelling all the time and we only had one or two people that were talking every now and then. They're going, yeah, you got to talk. Yeah. Like, you're the captain. You should fucking know this. So automatically I know that Tamo's part of the problem. But Tamo looks bewildered. And I think he has all season at the Tigers. Like, he, he's gone from a club, and I'm not pretending Penrith's the greatest club ever, but he's gone from a club that was very good defensively, did very well last year, and he's gone into the Tigers. And I think he has been so shocked by what he's walked into that he just, he, like, he's not playing well at all. And he's one of those players that kind of needs a little bit of motivation to play well. Um, and at the moment you would say he's been a really, really terrible buy for the club, but I just think that he's there and he's like, holy shit, what am I going to do to fix this? I'm one dude. Yeah. 
And I think there's a, a lot of players that are probably feeling the same way. And the idea that they're trying to get uh, Pangai Jr. there, who would be the worst sort of player that, and it'd be bad for him and bad for the Tigers. Like, uh, it's and it, what it all comes down to, and and this is the problem with the Tigers. We can talk about what they do on the field, their coaches, and all of this. None of it matters until they get a new CEO. None of it. That's right. Um, they've got a fair few personnel changes to make as well. I don't know when that's going to happen. Um, they've got too much work to do there, and they they have got no idea where to start, and that comes down to the fact that they've got the people running the club don't know what to do and never have, mm-hmm. and that's why they just need to get rid of them. I think the only way to solve the problem right now, and the only coach who's a chance of solving the problem right now is Craig Bellamy, and mm-hmm. the only way it would work is you say, Craig, here's the keys to everything that we've got going here. This is what the salary cap's at, just so you know. Here's a list of every single contract. Any contract that you rip up, we will terminate on the spot. Mm-hmm. And just hand him a shredder and say this thing can handle twenty pages at a time. And he'd be like, "Yeah, I'm familiar. How do you one of these?" It's all yours, mate. And then you tell us who we're going to go out and get. You help us go get them. Yeah, that's how you do it. Um, look, they've yeah, got Tim Sheens like- coming back, and they've got Tim Sheens coming back in the right sort of role. Yeah, where he's an overseer. Um, the reason why Sheens is good, and I've said this before, like, I've been critical of Tim Sheens when he was coached there at the West Tigers mm-hmm. uh, in his last few seasons there. But the one thing I was never critical of him about, and one thing I always promoted him for, was his ability to get juniors developed properly and first grade ready and getting them into first grade. And that can't be questioned. What he did with the Tigers in 2003, 4, 5, insane. And he did it with Canberra with a lot of their juniors as well when he was there. Um so it can't be – that's not into question. I think that that's something that's been sorely missing at the Tigers since he left. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be a good thing that will happen there. And that's look, that's not going to come to fruition for at least two or three years. So we're going to have to be patient on that front. But the squad alone is a mess. There's mm-hmm. nothing cohesive about that squad. And they keep buying outside backs. It's not the area to be focusing on. And there's – there's very few, if any, out, you know, three-quarter players in that Tigers line that are worth having in the NRL. James Roberts yeah. is a winger, and they're playing him at centre. He hasn't been centre quality since he left Brisbane. Um, Joey Lailua is so slow now laterally that he's not good enough to be on the centre anymore because people can just run around him easily. Um, Adam Dewey is wasted at centre. He can play it. He's the best centre we've got, but he's also the best 5'8 we've got, and he's better at 5'8 than he is at centre. Should be playing him at 6. There's no doubt about it. He's an actual leader. I'd put the captaincy on him and put him at 6 and say, team's now yours. Tell him what to do. Please, Adam. Um, And then you've got just a wealth of wingers, a lot of them who just aren't first grade ready or aren't first grade capable. Um, Nofaluma's the only one that's that's NRL quality. Even he has his uh, his deficiencies. He likes to run in off his wing an awful lot defensively and gets caught out nearly every game. Sounds like he's a bit of a diva too, eh? Oh, yeah, has been. Which is, I don't mind that in a winger. 
No, it's fine. It's fine. Especially, look, I don't mind a winger who's scoring tries, and he is, so I, I can pass it. But, uh, yeah, that's it. And then you've got Dane Laurie at fullback, who's already proven that he deserves to be there, and he's good enough for it. So, at the moment, Dane Laurie, David Nofaluma, that's your back five that are that are locked in. Adam Dewey at six. Yeah, we've gone through the through the you know, the first six players, and they're the three you keep. Yeah, and, and I, like I've said before, I think Adam Dewey, for me personally, is the player that you have out in your lineup when you've got a hole in your side, and he's a he's a handy he's a handy player to chuck out there, but. Like if you if you get a good five eighth, he's not playing five eighth. If you get a good center, he's not playing in the centers. If you get a good fullback, he's not your fullback. You know what I mean? But he tries hard. But I think he's he's another player for the West Tigers who he, he's played hard through half the season, and I just think he's he's done with it. You know, I mean, I can see where your motivation if you're trying in that side, I can see where eventually your motivation just fails. Yeah, and look at this stage. The problem the Tigers have got is that they're always just close enough for too much of the season of the top eight. Mm-hmm. They need to get to a season like they are now. And at this point right now, they go, you know what? We might be two wins outside of eighth place on the ladder. But let's just call a spade a fucking spade and say, you know what? We had no chance of making the final. So how's about we start our rebuild right now? Yes. Right, and start working on combinations for next year right now. So Brooks and Dewey are going to be at the team next year. Right, let's put them in the halves. Right, Moses and Bai's not going to be here next year. Stop playing him in first grade. Put him in reserve grade. Anyone who's leaving the club, put them all in reserve grade. Right, let's just have the players who are going to be here next year, have them in there, work their combinations out together. You know, if James Roberts is going to be at the club next year, Put him on the wing and leave him there because he cannot defend at centre. He's been exposed in every single game he's played at centre for the club. Every game. Mm-hmm. The one game he played on the wing, he scored two tries and we won the game and did not get exposed defensively. Join the fucking dots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, you know what I thought about the James Roberts signing and he's lived up to my expectations, I've got to say. Oh, likewise. I was... I, I did my best to try and convince myself that it might work, but even I wasn't fully committed to that. But you've got to Same do that as a fan, don't you? You've got you to, do. like, and as a Panthers fan, fuck, I've done it plenty of times where you're like, look, I did it with James Roberts. I was like, okay. But it was early enough in his cycle as a player where it's like, all right, he's coming to us. He's had some problems. He's got some talent. Maybe we can do something. I think he played his best footy at the Panthers, and it might not have been his most explosive footy, but it was it was all right, you know? But then he found a way out the club there, and, it, it you know, some players are just what they are. Yeah, not much you can do about that, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, any other emails? I don't want to keep talking about the West Tigers. I think we <laughs> do <with> that. <laughs> uh, let's have a look. Andy Marjolay, as you like to call him. Marjolach. That's the new one. That's the new one, Marjolach. He said... Men, I caught Matty John's show tonight, Sunday, April the 18th. Anyhow, they had Brandon Smith on as a guest. Turned into one of the better shows Matty had. One of the highlights for me was Brandon was asked what change would he make if he was the Fox League's bo- League boss. His response, 
turn NRL 360 into NRL 120 by get, getting rid of Paul Kent and James Hooper. Hard to disagree. <laughs> so it seems the players aren't fans either. They keep up the good work. Andy. Thank you, Andy, for that. Here's one from Chris. He says, considering how Gus reactivated pathways to get the Panthers to take full advantage of their junior base, should the West Tigers look to Gus for help? This is, of course, a hypothetical, as the Tigers would never think of doing something as useful as using one of the biggest junior bases in the code. Well, they've got um, uh, Tim Sheen's coming to do that sort of thing, and he's I mean, he's just as capable of doing that, and he's done it before with the West Tigers, so he knows how to do it all and where to look in that area. Yeah. Um, so they're fine there. I think I think juniors-wise, they're going to be fine now that they've got Sheens there. Uh, so long as Sheens sticks to that junior pathways thing. Yeah, that's true. Every single club that is not heavily invested in their juniors right now, they're behind. They're just behind. That's it. Yeah. Um, David. He says, hi, guys. Thanks for discussing my idea on the pod. I think I might not have described what I meant by non-traditional rugby league areas clearly enough. When I said non-rugby league areas, I was meaning anything outside of the heartland states. Developing grassroots could be, for example, the Roosters developing programs in Perth or other clubs doing something in Northern Territory or South Africa or the United States. Basically anything outside of New South Wales and Queensland where I was coming from with that. The NRL could define these target areas to line up with long strategic planning. See, there's the first problem with it, David. And I like your idea, right? I think your idea is great, David. But the NRL's version of long strategic planning is, fuck, what are we going to do on Thursday after Origin's finished? I've got to feel like I've answered this question too. Yeah, I feel like we... It sounds, I feel like, like, it sounds like one we may have discussed. Well, we discussed his previous email. Okay. And then he he just wanted to re-clarify what he, was, what he meant, because I think we misunderstood what he meant um, in his email. But I feel like we sort of come around to what he is discussing in this email when we answered the previous email, if that makes sense. I think he just needs to reword his question in hindsight to suit our answer. <laughs> <laughs> David, David, David on April 15th, listen to me, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your email, David. Oh, um, I, think, I think the NRL has been wise in the way they've done that sort of, um, that, that sort of pathway sort of thing because they've focused purely on places that are next to them. So they've gone to all the Pacific nations. I would like to see them a bit more strongly involved in Papua New Guinea. Not that they, not that Papua New Guinea needs it um, because they've got a very good uh, local comp set up and it's doing really well for them. But I think if we can give them some more resources and try and help them along a little bit, it will make them better. Um and that's only a good thing for international rugby league. And if some of if some more of the the uh, Papua New Guinean players make it across to the NRL, that'd be fantastic. And you know, if the if the PNG comp gets so strong that they say, you know what, we believe we can field a team that's NRL quality and have them in the NRL, I think that would be a fantastic idea to have. I mean, in my world, an ideal competition in the NRL would have a team from every Pacific Island in the NRL. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that, that's, 
that's looking a long way ahead. Probably never will. I mean, it won't happen under Peter Volandis because all he talks about is eventually having an expansion team, but he has no no balls to commit to one. Yeah, 100%. It's, uh, I think I said it on the last podcast or the podcast before, it's like the endless talk of expansion clubs. Uh, you just get over it at some point where, um, you know, let, how about the exhibition game that Manly's going to play in China? I'm really looking yeah. forward to that. Let's like fuck. Be starting soon, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's starting in about fucking 14 years ago. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, what do you think about the signing of Matt Dufty for the for the Bulldogs? I like it. I think too much has been made about his defensive shortcomings. Mm-hmm. Um, when you've got a player who's Attacking prowess is as strong as Dufty's is. I think you can work with the defensive deficiencies that he has. Yeah. Um, a good coach could fix that. Now, what about Trent Barrett? Trent Barrett can't fix that. Okay. But Trent Barrett should probably hire someone like um, Luke Patton, and he would be able to deal with that issue. Just a one-on-one on coach, Luke Patton, dealing with. Um, Matt Dufty, helping me out with positioning, mm-hmm. how to read um, where he needs to be defensively. I don't think it would take Dufty too long to pick it up. And when I say too long, I think he'd probably take an off-season. I think yeah, that's yeah. all it would take. It wouldn't take much at all. Uh, and he'd be fine. Yeah, yeah I, look, I think that being a... I think fixing up a fullback's defense is, as long as they're committed to learning... I think it's it's not that hard to do. No, nah, most of it's positional. It's not so much about the, unlike every other position, it's not about the tackling technique. It's not about, you know, the effectiveness of the tackle. It's about the positioning. Mm. It's about trying to read the play coming up that's going to impact the fullback before it happens to try and force the fullback to do something that they don't want to do, which is kick in a different direction where the team may not be set, you know, things like that. It's about trying to read the play before it happens. Billy Slater was great at it. Um, and so that's the sort of thing that he needs work on. That's it. I don't think it's that big a deal, but, you know, the media and uh, Dragons apparently made a big song and dance about it. Um, <laughs> the thing that gets me is that they don't want a genuine point scorer and attacking, you know, a prolific attacker like Matt Duffy at the club, but they're happy to have a, a bumbling Cody Ramsey there, so beats me. You don't like Cody Ramsey? Uh, he's a he's an awkward looking thing. I watch him going. Up. You, you know, sometimes there's just players you watch when they're under the high ball. You just go, I don't think he's going to catch this. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and every time he goes up to catch a ball, I go, he's going to drop it. And yeah, too when, often, too often, when, he proves me right. Bo Ryan was another one for a long time for me that did that. You'd see Bo Ryan under a high ball and go, mm-mm. <laughs> Cody Ramsey. It's so true because every time he catches the ball, you're like, whew. <laughs> and he comes down and he, it's kind of like he looks in his arms and goes, oh, it worked. Yeah, yeah. Like he's, he's genuinely surprised and then he gets smashed. He looks like somebody that was just packing fish at the fish <laughs> markets and he's got his hairnet on. Yeah. Oh. I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's probably got a lot of great ability about him. But when I, I just watch him under the high ball, going, mm, he's just not NRL quality for me for a, a three quarter. And to know that they dropped Dufty one week and put 
put put Ramsey at fullback. What the fuck are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it was hard. That was hard work. That was the most I've watched of rugby league in a while. <laughs> That's... I, was, I was I was fear watching. <laughs> oh shit! Well, look, we should wrap this up before Bob well, wakes up. And I was going to say quickly, there's been a review. Oh really? Yes. Yeah. It says the the heading of the review is media overrated question mark. And it's from Metallica fan 1987 from New Zealand. Nice. A Kiwi listens to us. Thank you for listening. It says, my favourite rugby league podcast. Good listen and good banter. Don't listen if you like Wales rugby league. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you see what I did? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I haven't recorded the Wales episode yet because other things got in the way. But it's not even a fucking question, is it? Penrith versus Wales. What do you reckon? I thought you were being uh, very respectful to Wales by having them line up against Penrith because I thought if you wanted to do this in a more typical way, you'd have them line up against the Bulldogs or the Tigers. (laughs) It it was funny. When I say say Bulldogs or Tigers, I mean mean Batley or Castleford, by the way. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) It's, yeah, it was interesting. The, The responses I got were... Like from Australians, it was like, well, yeah, of course. And then from from <laughs> the English, weirdly enough, no fucking Welsh people gave a shit because you know they don't give a fuck. But um, it was like, oh, well, fucking, what about this and what about that? But then I put up the question: Are there any English players in the? I think I said in the modern era who you would say are unquestionably better than Brad Fittler. And so many people had English players they thought were better than Brad Fittler. Were any of them Kevin Sinfield? I love that. There was one person said Kevin Sinfield, and I think, but it was someone winding me up. But a lot of, (laughs) a lot of Ellery Hanley's, hey. Oh, yeah, you know what, that's, I, I know you would be firmly saying that Fittler was definitely the best, um, and I'm not going to sit there and argue with it, but I don't think there's daylight between those two. I think Hanley was possibly one of the best locks slash five-eighths England has ever produced outside of probably Malcolm Riley. Very, um, very good player, yeah. Insanely good player at his peak. Um, he was com- he was comparable with, with Wally Lewis at, his, at the absolute peak of his game. I mean... I disagree. No, because this is the thing, okay? A lot of people think that Wally Lewis is an absolute god. Yeah. Wally yes, Lewis, you're right. You're Wally right, Lewis, Andrew. Wally Lewis had his deficiencies, and they were, at times, in defense. Yeah. Now, he was... And this is going to sound weird, because there are times in games when he would pull off an absolute fucking bell ringer of a tackle. He had that ability in him. He also had the ability to just phase out of a game. But when that game was on the line, it needed to be won... He was the most clutch player I've ever seen in my life playing rugby league. You need you need a game to be won, and it can be won with one play. Just give the ball to Wally. He'll make it happen. Oh, no, God. I've never seen a player with that ability to do that ever, bef- ever before. What about Hanley Lockyer? for me was... Uh, You're not a fan of Lockyer, are you? No, I'd, I'd say Lockyer is one of, the, one of the top players we've ever had in the game. I just don't rate him as someone who's going to be in line to be an immortal. Oh, man. 
See, for me, Darren Lockyer... I've, I've, got, is... I've got Lockyer on the same level as Cooper Cronk, which is just that one step down from Immortal. Holy shit. I've got Cooper Cronk on, like... <sighs> Cooper Cronk, for me, is the equivalent of a Peter Sterling, okay? Good good player. Sterling's better than Cronk. I think Sterling had more points where it was down to him to get the job done, and he fucking got the job done than Cooper Cronk did. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah, but I don't think I don't think I'd be putting Sterling and Cronk on the same level. I'd say Sterling was clearly a better halfback than Cronk. Okay, well, see, I have them on that level because I think there was a there's a level that's above those players, and I think we've been lucky to see most of those players, and, yes. and those players are Johns, who I is the best halfback I've ever seen. Um, I think no, uh, Ricky Stewart and Alan Langer. Ooh, Stewart does not get recognised anymore, and he was possibly my favourite halfback of all time. Watching, yeah, he was yeah. phenomenal, phenomenal. He had one of the best dummy cells any halfbacks ever had. He was a level above so many of the plays that had come before him in terms of his kicking game was just second to none. Yeah. You want a hot pass, take? He's better than Langer. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. His his passing game was unbelievable. Like the yeah. after him, the next passing game that come along where you're like, holy shit! It was the Johns brothers when they started zipping the ball from one side to the, of the field to the other. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and like at their best, I think Stewart was better than Langer at Langer's best. Absolutely. Absolutely. For me, it was a no-brainer. I always thought that Stewart was a much better halfback than Langer. And so overall game-wise, his yeah. game craft and everything, I thought it was just much much better than, than Langer's. But he doesn't get recognised for it. And I think it's just because he's become a coach, so people just recognise him as a coach now. True. but I, And I also think the end of his career, I mean, he fell off a cliff. Yeah, he did have that issue with his uh, encephalitis too, which probably didn't help. Yeah, but as for for me, for and the question was, is there anybody that is unquestionably, and, and no, the question was, is there anybody that is universally considered to be better than Brad Fittler? And there were a lot of Valerie Hanleys. Um, which Hanley would I, be the only one that comes close to being competitive with him outside of Australia. And then, do you know, the other interesting thing was the way that people rated players. I, I kind of rate players in the same universe, right? But then I was having people saying, like, like I had somebody sent me a picture of Ellery Hanley in a runaway try against a fucking someone like Batley. And they were like, could Brad Fittler do that? And I was like, yeah, if he was playing against a bunch of guys that had a day job fucking, you know, five days a week, yeah, he would. The best thing about playing over in England is you get marked by palms. That's why their tries fall like confetti. Yeah. The the only thing that's difficult about it is Hanley, Hanley tested himself in the Australian comp um, and proved that he could he could handle it. At a, at the same time, when the English comp was probably at the you know, it's absolute best as far as competition-wise. Like, it was equal with the, the Australian comp at the time. That was the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. 
Fittler didn't test himself over in England. So for me, it's hard to sit there and say categorically 100% that Fittler was definitely better of the two. But at the same time, I'm not going to say Fittler was worse. But did Fittler I, need I can't. to? Did Fittler need to? Like, he never lost of he a test series. He, he never lost a test series against any of those bludgers, okay? He won a World Cup in 1995. He won another one in 2000. He should have won way more, but they couldn't fucking get them played. Um, won a premiership with the Panthers as a fucking schoolboy. He won a premiership with the Roosters as the player that was built around. I don't know. Why am I telling you he's fucking... Yeah, I know this shit. What are you telling me for? Yeah, what the fuck? But, but this is... Uh, to me, the only guide is the fact that Hanley played um, in, the, in England when the English competition was at its toughest. And under the rules, when the rules changed in the 80s and the 90s, Fittler sort of came along just as those rules were about to change. Mm. So he didn't have as much, he didn't have to change his game too much along the yeah. way. Yeah. Um, and so we didn't, get to have, we didn't get to see whether Fittler had to make too many changes to his game or his play other than when he moved from centre to 5-8 to, to lock, which are three big changes, but they're also changes that Hanley made. Um. But as I said, I I I do generally hold Fitler uh, ahead of Hanley, but I don't think it's by a wide margin. Okay, that look that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I I wouldn't argue with that. Yeah, but he's Hanley's not unquestionably better than Brad Fitler. No, 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 no. There's there's very few players that are going to be unquestionably better than Fitler, and they're players that played before Fitler did. Yeah, and, and that's I'll say this. Jonathan Davies, fucking overrated, please. Yeah, no, he's not in the conversation. No, not even in the same hemisphere. No, Who that, are some I mean, of the other players? I wish I could remember all the players that people were chucking up to me. I had people that were trolling me too, just trying to make me angry. People, <laughs> people are mean to me, Andrew. Well, that's not very nice. No. So it's not just cunts. Not just journos that, that get cranky, are you? <laughs> I just get cranky when I say, "Hey, that seems a bit off." That was amusing. It really was. It's funny how yeah, they get all emotive. I came in and just in and supplied a few little basic facts, and everyone just went quiet. Yeah, I, I had a conversation. Who was it with? Ah, oh, I wish I could remember who it was with. But it was, we were talking about, I know who it was with. It was with Jamie. And we were talking about how I can say something and people go fucking crazy. She can say basically the exact same thing. And everyone's chilled with it. And I was saying, yeah, Andrew's the same. Yeah. He can say stuff and people are pretty chill with it. And like, <laughs> it's just really weird. So you, should, you need to change your day from league freak to just league prick. League prick. People probably call that me that anyway in some parts of the world. Yeah. You know, parts where they're scared of fucking soap, bad teeth. They're all bald by the time they're 22. Do I need to name the country? <laughs> really? No. We no. all know where it is. They've all got sunburn right now because it's 15 degrees. <laughs> yeah. And there's one less cloud in the sky. Yeah, exactly. It's fucking raining and they get sunburn. And I'm not um, even saying what country it is. If you feel like that belongs to you, hey, 
Fucking own it. Speaking of that country, shall I date this episode right now? Yeah, go for it. Uh, in the Wimbledon final in the women's at the moment, Ash Barty is leading 6-3, lost the second set 6-7, and she's up 2-0 in the third. Is that good? Uh, she'll, she should win that, shouldn't she? I hope so. She'll cruise to victory there over Pliskova. What? Pliskova. Ah. I'm going to assume that's her name. Oh, she's just won the third set as well. Nice. She's up 3-0. Oh, no, she's won the third set. She's won the third game of the set. I don't watch much tennis, so excuse my, my uh, language. What would PVL do to tennis to make it more exciting? Um, he, he you, know would... I, you know what I reckon he'd do? Yeah. He'd have one of those, you know, those those um, serving machines or ball machines? Yeah. He'd just have one every two metres of paddle on the baseline, just have them constantly feeding tennis balls, and you've got to try and hit all of them at the same time. <laughs> He turned doubles into triples. Yeah. Put extra lines on the court. Yep. Maybe instead of having just the, you know, the net, instead of having the net, maybe just turn it into a moat. There's an idea. Maybe ace is worth two points. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck two points. Three points. Why not? Well, get an ace at the start of your set and you're up 40, 40 love. And you're allowed to hit the ball like... It, when you serve, there's also a second line that's closer in, so that you can, if you get it in there, that will be like a quadruple ace, but it never gets used. But he put that in there. There's an idea. Actually, what you could have is have an ace where you hit the ball on your side of the net and it bounces over into the into the uh, box on the other side. <laughs> that 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 one would be allowed. What else would he do? Instead of a chair umpire, he'd change it to a stool umpire. Yeah, they're just and sitting that, on a stool instead. I'd have all the uh, have all the uh, video umpiring done from say in Belgium, and and then make the court like longer, like make it twice as long. Yeah, um, and then make sets go to instead of six or seven, go to thirty, so we can yeah. introduce the fatigue factor. Yeah, yeah, you need that fatigue factor in there yeah. for sure. and make the net higher by about three feet. Yeah, I'd be up for that. Yeah. Just to, that, that will help to bring the little man into the game or take him out of it. <laughs> you, you pick. <laughs> Fucking little man. That's so weird. Some of the things people just say like they're like, oh, we've got to bring the little man back into the game. He never fucking left. I know. That's the best part about this seven tackle sets that you get. Oh, we've got to stop people from eliminating great fullbacks like Billy Slater and Greg Inglis and stuff. And it's like, have you seen them destroying everyone? No one's eliminating them. Yeah, but this is a crazy thing. You've got to bring in rules to eliminate the little men, and then you've got to change the rules to bring the little men back into the game after you eliminate them with the rule changes you made in the past. Exactly, exactly. Like, the only time I can ever think where... Like smaller players, the little man was properly rule changed out of the game was when it was unlimited interchange. And that was for like, what, a, two seasons we had yeah. that, maybe? Yeah, and it was, it's, that was psycho. Yeah, and where you just, everyone was a, gi- was a giant. Yeah. And the little man literally did get bashed out of the game in that yeah. two years period. And that's the only time the little man went missing. The only time ever. Yeah. Like we're talking about now, Matt Dafty. 
I consider him to be a little man in the game. Yeah. Absolutely is. It's just, you know, fucking stupid. Have stupid really, talk. <laughs> get rid of the... Get rid of the wrestle and you know, getting bringing the little man back into the game. Those stupid fucking terms. It really is. I hate those because it's so basic. It's like, oh, we need to bring fatigue back. It's like, what do you mean? It's like, you know, fatigue. fatigue and that's yeah. it. That's where it ends. Running around smashing each other for eighty minutes doesn't make you tired. So we've got to speed the game up to make you more tireder. And I like the idea that <laughs> little men don't get tired either. No, no, they don't. They just don't. Not even when they're getting completely smashed by bloody 130-kilo behemoths. Speaking of, Mm. I was just flicking around through channels tonight on my uh, my Foxtel. Mm -hmm. There's some sort of Japanese channel at the back there, and I was watching some sumo wrestling. Oh, yeah. There's some big units there. Yeah, it's interesting, sumo wrestling. That's a... one bloke there who was 192 centimetres and 200 kilos. (laughs) God. How's that even possible? And they don't even try and match him up weight for weight. One bloke was 180 kilos. He was, he was taking on a guy who was 127. <laughs> it, yeah, that, the it's thing, interesting. The thing about it too is, like, you watch it for, you've only got to watch it for like two or three minutes, watch two or three bounce, because they only go for about a minute each. Mm. And, like, one bloke will fall over because he's just fat and lost balance. <laughs> and all of a sudden, that's a that's got a move name to it. Oh, overhand throwdown. You're like, he fell over. <laughs> he literally fell over. One fat bloke stood to the left, and the other fat bloke fell over the line. And apparently, that's a takedown. <laughs> what the fuck are you giving these shit names? What was the move on Street Fighter Two with the uh, Yoke? Was it what was his name in Street Fighter Two? It wasn't Yokozuna, was it? No, no he was an actual wrestler in the WWF. Yeah, what was his name? Anyway, he had a move, and and it was a sumo wrestling move. But he, you know, one of the things he had was the thousand hand slap. Do you remember that? Yes, he had that. Yeah, oh, I wish I could remember his name. And don't get me wrong, there's a few blokes in the in the sumo wrestling that are like built big, but you look at them and they've they've actually done plenty of. They look like they've done plenty of weights training. Like the yeah. the shoulders and the arms are pretty really bulky on them, and one of them took on this bloke who was he's given away about thirty or forty kilos to, and he dominated him. I'm like, man, I'm going for this fella, and he's yeah. strutting around afterwards. And, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm liking this guy. He's got a bit of showboat about him. You ever heard about? I think it was a Hawaiian dude who was uh, he wanted to become the grand champion, but he was too short, and so he got silicon put in under his scalp, so he met the height requirement, <laughs> and then had it taken out again, and he ended up being the grand champion. Wow. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's serious, serious. I can see where you'd get shit-faced in sumo wrestling would be a lot of fun to attend. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. By the way, Origin. I was going to say, my whole point there was that I spent more time in the last three weeks watching sumo wrestling than I did watching the NRL. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Origin night, my plan is to be... uh, pretty drunk by the time i get on the podcast okay so it like uh, if, i will see if i can make myself available okay if you can't i'm gonna see if nadine can come on um but we we got to see because she might not be able to come on either so it might yes. just be me just rambling drunk bullshit 
after the state of origin because my state of origin ratings have been as popular as ever. <laughs> Probably as the TV ratings have been. Yeah. I haven't seen the TV ratings for Origin. Do you know if they're good or bad? No idea. Yeah, I don't I think know. the fact that we don't know probably suggests that they're probably not that good. Yeah, it's it's possible. I'd love to know what the NRL ratings have been as the season's gone on high. Apparently they're not too different to last year, but yeah. I'm not surprised by that. But I'd be curious to know how they compare to 2019. Yeah, that would be interesting. But um, I guess that, that'll probably bring us to the end of this episode. We've had a fair old yak. Yeah, it's been good, hasn't it? It has. It has. This image you've sent me. Oh, that's just the uh, the review that we got. Ah, yeah, yeah. There's a nice review. Yeah, it's been a good yak. Uh, I'm just going to call it Andrew and Freaky Chat About Footy. Yeah. Because that's what we've done. There's no need to narrow it down to anything. No. Nah. We don't need to highlight the fact we talked about Joyara's nuts for a little while. Yeah, his blue ball situation that he had victim. Yeah. Poor fella. Yeah. Maybe Can't that's it. what Beyond Blues is about, Jairo's blue balls. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah, thoughts and prayers. <laughs> thoughts and prayers to Jairo's balls. Put a dead rubber out for Jairo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what I did once. And how, how could he do that when Origin's got its own dead rubber going on? Even Origin's having a dead rubber celebration for Jairo this week. I once got a rubber, right? I filled it with mayonnaise, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's recording, by the way. I know, I know. Hope we're good. I know. It's, it's, this isn't any weird stuff. No, no, I, it's going I, in a good place already. I know. I, I got a, I got a rub once. I was in a high-rise building. that was across from a casino. I, I got a rubber, filled it with a bit of mayonnaise, and then <laughs> put in <laughs> and some and a, just a dash of tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> and threw it over the balcony. So all the patrons going to the casino that night <laughs> were like, what the fuck? <laughs> Can you imagine coming across that? <laughs> we'll get to the casino. <laughs> You're like, that person's got a problem. Who's <laughs> <laughs> looking at it going? That incident happened here? Did Someone it happen up, up, that... up there? Someone up in that building needs to see a doctor. <laughs> or maybe two of them do. Yeah. They need a doctor or a priest. Yeah. Well. Oh, yeah. Anyway. I don't know if you had to, if you had to put some... Um, Tomato sauce on there and a teller. I'm not too sure. Oh, no, it was all on the inside, so it looked like it was the dude's problem. All oh, right, right. You know, because oh. anyway. that's why the time we did the pavement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just waited, just waited to see if there were any reactions. Was it there when you went downstairs? Uh went down the next day, mm. and I, because I, I, I looked, I can't remember if it was there or not. So someone cleaned it up. I just, I just can't remember. I feel like okay. they must have, because I think I'd remember if it had been there still. Imagine having that job. <laughs> I hope you're listening whoever cleaned that up. Whoever no, it, it wasn't what you thought it was. It was, just a, it was just a few table condiments. Maybe someone took it home for a snack. 
I wouldn't think so. <laughs> oh, man. Well. <laughs> I'm called League Freak, all right? Yeah. In the name. That that's the uh, that should be the, the I think we never got the title of the episode. What would you call it? Kind of filled with mayo. Oh, you know. <laughs> Put out your frangers. Frang. <laughs> frangers for joy. Yeah. Oh man. Oh well. Well, it's uh, <laughs> a devastating way to end the podcast. <laughs> That was that was a that was a great story. Yeah, thanks. We'll uh, we'll wrap it up on that note. And what a note! It's kind of a splat note, but you know. Yeah, if you've enjoyed that content, go to <laughs> patreon.com forward slash RL project. <laughs> <laughs> or if you haven't, go go there anyway and give me so much money so that I don't need to do the podcast anymore. If you don't like it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you can also go to patreon.com forward slash league freak. I'll just keep, I'll keep chucking out fucking, you know, that sort of stuff into the public arena. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, if they give you enough money, they they can decide your fate when it comes to the podcast. <laughs> oh, that'd be good, yeah. If I get, oh, I should set a, a, a price where people can cash me out. <laughs> yeah, go, go 5000 a month. Keep, yeah. keep it keep it um, approachable. Yeah, that'd be reasonable. I'll fuck off for five grand a month. Yeah, US. Oh yeah. Any dealing greenbacks and crypto? That's well. Let's get a quick crypto update. It makes us like the news. How's your crypto going, freaky? It's going good, actually. It's bounced it's back. Good. Well, it hasn't bounced back, but I've oh. been buying. I've been buying at good levels, so I'm. Oh good. right. Yeah. That, that's that's always healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when you don't know if you're buying low or whether it's going to go lower. <laughs> that means you're buying high still. you got to be in it to win it. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to bring back fatigue. <laughs> you know, I had, uh, through, through my work, I had yeah. five shares in the company that were gifted to me. Yeah. And the company had a demerger. Yeah. And the, uh, the company they demerged from decided to honour the five shares that we used, we still already had with the first company mm-hmm. and gave us the same number of shares in their company. So I've got automatically 10 shares now in two different, across two different companies, and I've not had to pay a cent for either of them. Nice. That's so, pretty As far as I'm concerned, I'm up on whatever you're, getting, you're doing with crypto. <laughs> <laughs> I've only got 10 shares. Them shares are half as, half as uh, what they were when you got them. You're up compared to yeah. me. I can sell them all for a cent each. I'm still up. Because then go, I got a shiny 10 cent coin. <laughs> How are you going? <laughs> so the healthy correction's still on then? Uh, no, the, the healthy correction stopped about, probably about three weeks ago. And then it, there's been a little couple of bumps downwards. And when they went, it went down a little bit, I bought a lot of it to offset my losses. Okay. And, now that it's it's come back up just a little bit, I'm I'm ahead. I'm good. So, uh, how long before you start buying small islands? Uh, if well, what time is it now? It's it's almost one a.m. 
on July 11th, right? Yep. Uh, two or three billion years from now, I think I'll be good. Oh, so not too far away then. No, no. It's just it's just a matter of waiting, really. That's nice. all. That's all crypto is. Just waiting long enough. It's a waiting game. It really is. It's all a waiting game. Just trying to bring the little man back into the game, you know. As you do. Yeah. You, you're seeing at the uh, <coughs> the 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 uh, fatigue factor. What's going to come first? I'm going to become a crypto millionaire, or Welsh Rugby League's going to do something. Can we do a poll? <laughs> okay, we'll do that. We'll do that on the podcast, all right? I'll do that poll when we jump off here. But not only that, people were giving me shit. Oh, do you know how good Wales were in the past? They never have once beaten Australia. Never once. <laughs> Fucking overrated. Oh, they, um, yeah. I mean, they have been good in the past when compared with Wales today. Which is not not very difficult at all, you know. I mean, what's name one Welsh player today? Um, Tyson Frizzell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you had to say the best Welsh player in the last 25 years, I think it's Tyson Rizal, Frizzell. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> what was the last? When was the last time they beat an actual prominent nation? It's a good oh, it'll take too long. Yeah, yeah. Look, all of their highlights—like they didn't even have fucking cameras, you know. And when when you look through their history of their players, they've had like three good ones. They beat France fourteen to six in twenty fifteen. Yeah, but if France, it was it really France? Um, we'll keep looking here. They beat Papua New Guinea fifty to ten in two thousand seven. Jeez, that's a that's a hiding. Was I wonder how many of those players were actually Welsh though? Hey, like that was the thing about that was the other thing about my discussion and I use that term lightly with these fucking English people, where I was giving them everything. I was saying, like, Yeston Harris, you can have him. He's Welsh, born and raised in England, but you can have him, you know. You can have fucking Tits McGee that used to play for St. Helens, who's got the Henny Penny statue outside of Totally Wicked Stadium right now, okay? They can have him. All I was going to do was have any play that made their first grade debut for Penrith, and they still fucking whinged about it. <laughs> uh, here you go. I found one. I found one. 1995, they beat England, 1816. That is completely above board. You'll, you'll let them have that one? Yep, 100%. Um. The, that one player who's better than Brad Fittler, Jonathan Davies, was captain for, for Wales in that game. <laughs> Far out, he's overrated. Who else was it? Paul Atchison, Phil Ford, Alan Bateman, Yeston Harris, Anthony Sullivan, Davies, Kevin Ellis, Kelvin Skerritt, Martin Hall, David Young, Paul Moriarty, 
Mark Perrett, Richie Ayres, Rowland Phillips, Neil Cowie. Man, that's an all-star. All-star, all-star wow. Uh, I bet that was a bit of a young team. What year was that? 90... 95. 95, yeah. They would have been a very young team overall. It was played in Cardiff. What was the, the uh, home ground advantage? What was the crowd for that one? 4,000? 6,252. Ah, that's a big crowd for Wales. <laughs> the monster. Mm. Monster crowd. Mm. Yeah. Bit they, of Welsh rugby history there. They've given us a lot of things, Wales. If I take out Tom Jones, name the second one. Catherine Zeta-Jones? Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> I'll give you that. The third one? Yeston Harris? Yeston, yeah, then it goes to Yeston Harris. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear alrighty Let, let's put this bastard to bed yep let's kill it it's been Thanks good fun it has been it has been and hopefully it'll be uh, hopefully the start of at least me doing weekly episodes well don't push yourself Andrew <laughs> I shan't I shan't but uh, that that's the plan anyway uh, thanks for tuning in everyone hope you enjoyed this random gibberish And uh, we'll catch you all next time.